0: know that you know you need a fast I mean, it's always good to fast I mean, at some point we gotta eat you know. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta drink and well you don't fast all the time my point is when you're seeking God sometimes you'll it's feel led by Christ. the Holy Spirit it's to enter right. right. well sometimes you'll be led by the Holy Spirit to go into a fast but other times we're led into temptation it's not because we're fasting See, that was a controlled environment. See? Sometimes we're led into temptation, but we weren't prepared because we never did fast. Lead us not into temptation. Guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Fasting is one way to guard your heart. Because you go into fasting and you start to learn out what's in your heart. If you do that, you get to mend your garden. You see what I'm saying? You start fasting and praying, seeking the Lord, you start mending your garden. Your heart is being taken care of. So then you're not led into temptation. You know? You know? literally okay okay so there's people who come out of addictions for instance they'll get their heart right and then all of a sudden for months and upon months they're not even tempted because they've guarded their heart why because you can't be tempted unless it's in your heart yeah okay fasting and praying does that it helps us guard our hearts so we're not tempted you know like i said if i if i allow these things to come into my heart through my eyes and my ears then I'm not guarding my heart. Next thing you know, James chapter 1 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires, which are in the heart and enticed. So if I will just kill that, if I'll kill the flow of things that feed my heart wickedness, I won't even be tempted. You know? You see? And that's powerful. So lead us not into temptation. You're part of that. You're part of um, guarding your heart so you won't be led into, into temptation. All right. There's always opportunity to sin. Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 4. Luke chapter 17, 1 through 4. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. T- That's why I feel bad for people that leave and cause somebody else to leave. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Oh, yeah, I thought we weren't supposed to judge people's sins. <laughs> it's all about how you judge, not never judging. Jesus didn't say don't judge. He said, in the measure you judge, you will be judged. So if you judge without judging yourself first, you get in big trouble. But if, but right here, it says right here, clearly pay attention to yourselves, yourself first, right? Then it says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him in the same category, in the same paragraph where it says he who causes his brother to stumble is worth, better be have a millstone going on his neck. It's worth, you know, better. You see what he just did. If your brother sins and you don't rebuke him, you're helping him go into sin. It's powerful. And then it says, if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The point is, why are we rebuking sin? To save a person. Yeah. Not to just point out their sin and beat them down. It's supposed to lead to repentance. Repentance leads to forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness leads to peacemaking. And unity and, king, and kingdom advancement. Why do we rebuke our brothers who sin? Because we love them. That's right. We want them to have the opportunity to repent. If you don't rebuke them, they can't repent. Mm. Oh, but I thought the kindness of the Lord burns about repentance. Maybe we should just read the whole Bible. If you read more... <laughs> if you read Moses' Bible, you'd read the Old Testament where the prophets were coming and rebuking the kings. But Jesus is the new. Jesus just said, rebuke your brother. But Jesus is kind. And... I don't mean he's a punk. Jesus flipped tables and fashioned a whip, which probably took him a couple hours. He brooded on flipping tables. I saw this meme one time, it said, what would Jesus do? Hey, if, uh, if, <clears throat> if, if I asked the question, what would Jesus do, would be fashion whipping, and flipping tables be you know, if part of one of the options? <laughs> what would Jesus do? <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> oh, No, it says, would it be in the realm of possibilities? <laughs> oh, anyway, all right, Jesus is awesome. So my point is, we gotta rebuke sin. If we don't, then we don't love our friends. He's talking about our brother. Now, it's not talking about the outsider. He's talking about our brother. If the outsider is out there sinning, you can't help a sinner. He's sinning. He's sinning. He's a sinner. He's going to sin. Sinner, sin. You know? Cows eat grass. Sinner, sin. Right? Once they're a new creation, though, it's time to rebuke them. Hey, what are you doing? Why? Because you're their brother. Yeah. It's good. And if they don't listen, then you hand them over to the devil for the destruction of their flesh and so they might be saved. <laughs> that's what the Bible says. Promise of persecution, Matthew chapter 10. Okay, so that's temptation. So um, that's how we get away from temptation, all right? So we dealt with temptation. Lead us not into temptation. So what we want is we want to guard our hearts so that we are not led into temptation. You're part of that, that process. God doesn't lead you necessarily into temptation, Okay. He leads you to the place he's called you to be, which sometimes is a place of weakness. And in the place of weakness, the devil will ambush you. You get it? But how do we get not let into temptation? We guard our heart, because even if our weakness, if we're in our weakness, if we've guarded our heart, then those things that are in our in our hearts will be taken care of already. So we won't be tempted, even though we're in weakness. You see? But you are more susceptible to temptation in weakness, as a matter of fact. Okay? Makes sense? Cool. All right. So now we're gonna talk about. Now we're going to talk about another side. Well, you know, God didn't, you know, the the people say, well, Jesus didn't promise it was going to be easy. And that's true. He promised persecution. He promised persecution. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 8 and 16 through 42. It says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 7 through 8 and 16 through 42, okay? <clears throat> As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely be received, freely give. All right, so most of the people, the next part of what I'm going to read is about persecution. So they're going to be like, hey, Jesus promises persecution, but they don't read the first part, which says you can heal sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. All right? Why do we want to just read half the gospel? Okay, my point is this, dude. You're destined for persecution, but you're also destined to raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. See? Alright, let's keep going. Verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. When they arrest you, this is when they arrest you, like it's not a matter of if you are going to be healing the sick, raising the dead, classing out demons, and cleansing lepers, and performing miracles and signs and wonders, you will be arrested. So why are we being arrested? Probably because we're not making a difference. All right, let's keep going. <coughs> hey, but. <laughs> <Well, laughs> But when they arrest you, do you not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be, be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will be rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That doesn't sound like once saved, always saved. That sounds like those who endure to the end will be saved. Yeah. Hang in there. If you're following Jesus, don't give up. Because this is powerful. This is powerful. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. It's okay to run. You don't have to stay there and be persecuted. If you have a way out, get out. Why? Because you got work to do. There are times where Paul got out. Paul just took it and then, like, he would jump in, like, jump in a basket and people would lower him down off <laughs> the walls so he could escape guards and stuff. So Got stoned one time by, by stones, not by wheat. <laughs> Stone. <laughs> <laughs> he was shipwrecked three times. Shipwrecked three times. I, I'm going to read some of that stuff. Check this out. All right. Truly, I tell you. You will not finish. When you are persecuted in one place, we to another. Now this next verse, I don't understand fully. I'm just going to keep reading it though because it's in the Bible and I always talk about reading all the Bible. Don't understand this next verse, okay? just going to say it. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Don't, I don't, I, don't, I don't, we've been done that already. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. All right. Verse 24. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master it is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub how much more the members of his household so do not be afraid of them for there is no... yeah, i don't want i don't want to stretch things we'll just keep going jesus did appear to john on Isle of patmos mm. the king another trent book says uh, that, you will not finish going throughout all the, the towns of israel before the kingdom of before the kingdom comes in power and we noticed in acts that the power came so there's several ways to possibly understand that okay we're gonna keep going verse 27 verse 26 do not be afraid of them for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known verse 27 what i tell you in the dark speak in the daylight what is whispered in your ear proclaim it from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Yeah. I mean, this is... That's why I don't get it why people only teach that God's fear of the Lord is disrespect. I don't understand that. It's a real fear. We We just appropriate it right. That's all. Okay? All right, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them will fall to the ground, yet not not one of them will fall to that ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many (laughs) Sparrows. I need to have a shirt that says that I'm worth more than many (laughs) Sparrows. Sorry. Okay. I thought it was funny. Whoever knows me before others. I, watch this. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. When Stephen was being stoned, he did not renounce Jesus, and it says that he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus was standing in the presence of his Father. This is powerful stuff. See, Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He doesn't stand; he sits. But in this moment, he was standing. He was giving honor to Stephen. Isn't that awesome? Because he was giving honor to Christ. It's good stuff. Poor man. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Well, I have a question. When do you get the opportunity to disown Jesus? It's not the time that you, were, you accepted him. It's at the moment when they're, you're being persecuted for what you believe. Do you really believe it? Because if you really believe it, you will not renounce it. It's a testing. It's kind of weird, but... I, that's why I, it's... I don't... Anyway, I think it's more complicated than just one saved, always saved. If you're truly saved, you will follow him to death. If you have made him Lord of your life, then then you will belong to him and you will say he is mine and I am his and I will never abandon him. See? It's true devotion. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. Oh, I love that. Jesus didn't come. Jesus came with butterflies and flowers. People don't say that, but my point is that people really have a misunderstanding of Jesus. Do not suppose that I come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Mm. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever becomes a righteous, welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, I truly tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. All right, so that was talking about being persecuted. So we are going to be persecuted for our faith, Okay. Jesus prays for our protection. This is powerful, though. So, so people harp on persecution. Hey, we're gonna be persecuted. Everybody's gonna die for Jesus. If you're not dying for Jesus, you're not making a difference, right? All right, I like that. It's only half the gospel, though. Okay. So, John chapter 17, verse 14. Now, here's the thing. I always try to make a distinction between sickness and and those things and and persecution, thinking that sickness, you know. You, you, you can stop that. But persecution, you can't stop that. I always thought that. Until I prepared for this lesson. And then something hit me. It's all the work of the devil. This is going to pull some faith out, okay? Because everything I said was easy to receive. It was hard to hear, but it was easy to receive. Because we, we can all believe for evil, it's easy. You know? It's easy to believe that evil will come upon you. What's not easy to believe is that good will come upon you. The reason why it's easy to believe is because we don't believe uh, that we deserve good stuff anyway. Okay? Because we've done wrong. <laughs> so it's, it's easy for me to believe how I deserve to die for Jesus. You know? Now, you have to remember, though, that my devotion to Jesus should not be rooted in... Well, now I'm obligated to serve him. No, it should be rooted in my love for him. Yeah. You see? Now am I obligated? Yes. I'm a slave to righteousness. But true devotion is in a choice of love. I choose to love him. You know? So I would die for him. If it came down to it, I would die for him. In fact, what's worse? Dying for him or not being able to die? <laughs> and getting beat over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. What if you couldn't die? Would you still go into death every time? Be stoned for Jesus? Be crucified for Jesus? Be boiled in oil for Jesus? Be shipwrecked for Jesus? Be abandoned for Jesus? See, death isn't just dying and losing your last breath. Scripture says, but we die every day. But we have been dying. Why? Because the apostles they knew how to cheat death. <laughs> they knew secret. They had a promise from Jesus to be delivered from the evil one. Doesn't mean with well, the deliverance from the evil one means that you're going to be in the hand of the evil one for a minute and then you're delivered. You're snatched out. The apostles went into the hand of the evil one on many occasions and were delivered. So yeah, I could die for Jesus once. Could you die for Jesus a few times though? (laughs) Check this out. So look, John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. It's good. 2 Timothy, okay, so John chapter 17, verse 14. Jesus says... Jesus is praying. Now, Jesus gets everything he prays for, right? <laughs> Protect them from the evil one. This is good. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 through 13. You, know, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience. This is Paul talking. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. 10 through 13. This is powerful stuff right here. But you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. woo (laughs) That's cool. I had never seen that before. Paul was persecuted on multiple occasions, but was delivered from the evil one. He got beat, but he was delivered. Why? Because he had so much purpose. I think the reason why we die is sometimes we lose our purpose. But if we can understand our purpose, that I still have something to breathe for, I'll get beat down and get back up again. You know, Paul was literally stoned and left for dead. They thought he was dead. He probably, I think he was dead. But personally... I think he got stoned to death. That's what I believe. And the apostles came, to couldn't get him, and he got back up and went to the next town and started preaching. <laughs> That's awesome. You know? You're talking about broken bones? This guy got healed, got lifted up out of being stoned, and went back to preaching. you talk talking about resolve. Talk about never giving up, enduring to the end. He goes. It's not over. That's what he said. It's not over. I got more people to preach the gospel to. I got more work to be done. Thank you, Jesus. He didn't get stay down in that pit where he got stoned. He got back up. Wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Purpose. What are you living for? You living for yourself? Are you living to be comfortable? Or are you living for Jesus? If you're living for yourself, you'll die. Mm-hmm. He who seeks to gain his life. Will lose. It. He seeks to lose his life. Will gain it. I've lost my life. I live for him alone. It's good stuff. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. I love this. Check this out. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. Not just scorpions and serpents. All the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. (laughs) Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what qualifies you for this power over all the power of the enemy? The fact that your names are written 72 people. It wasn't just a 12, 72 people. But then he said, what makes you qualified for this authority that I give you? But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The fact that your names are written in heaven means that you have power over, you have, uh, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Listen, we've been called to win. But this is bigger than just having a Lamborghini. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. I've been destined to win. I'm here to win souls for the kingdom of God. If having a Lamborghini helps me get people saved, I'll have a Lamborghini. I was just thinking about that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. My point is, why do I have it? Like, I... It's not about seeking what I want. I'm seeking my own, you know, seeking the kingdom of God. You know? Powerful stuff. I don't ask for 100 acres just so I could go shooting on it. I, I ask don't. for 100 acres so I can further the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not for me. It's for him. I don't own it. It's not mine. You know? <laughs> Jesus is awesome. Luke chapter 10 verse 7. Okay, so the 72 says, uh, "Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that you the Samaritans so are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 20. Matthew chapter 2. Check this out. All right, so now we're going to look at Jesus' life. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men, right? Talked about how Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Verse 13, look at this. He hadn't even begun yet. <laughs> Now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and your mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search the child to destroy him. So they escaped death. He's been escaping death since he was an infant. Luke chapter 4, verse 28 through 30 says, When they heard these things, and all the synagogues were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. By passing through their midst, he he, he went away. He escaped death. Matthew, but this is Jesus. So Jesus died for us, but he gave his life. But he also demonstrated a life where he escaped death on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Look at this. John chapter 8, verse 52 to 59. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. You say, if, you, if, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. That's funny. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, and I know him. If, if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I, do not, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Verse 57. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. John chapter 10, verse 31. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. (laughs) Again. But Jesus said to him, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you want to stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, it is, not written, is it not written in your scripture? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to, the, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I say I am God's son? Do not be- I have an interesting take on this, by the way. Those sons of gods are actually the councils in heaven. It's not necessarily talking about people. A lot of people use this to say that we're gods. It's not what that's talking about. If you really study it out, you'll notice it's talking about the council in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge that thinking. I'm just going to say that. Everybody needs to do their own homework. But if you quote that scripture here, I have said you are gods. He's actually quoting a psalm, I believe. And in that psalm, it talks about how he takes counsel with the gods. And it's not talking about the gods. It's talking about the angels. Okay. And Jesus was a heavenly being before he was an earthly being. So when he was sent, so that's what it says right here. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son, right? It says, if if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, messengers, again, angels, and the scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Jesus. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe uh, me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. All right, so you see again, he escaped death. One more time. Paul was one of the 12, was not one of the 12 or the 72 present in Luke chapter 10. When it says, I've given you authority over the serpents, right? So a lot of people will say, well, that was just for the 72 people, right? It's not talking about everybody. Well, Paul wasn't one of those people. He wasn't one of the 12 and he wasn't one of the 72. When Paul had gathered, uh, Acts chapter 28, verse 3 through 6, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks... Put them on the fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Notice, again, he is not one of the 72 people that Jesus was talking to in Luke chapter 10. A lot of people will say, well, he was talking to the 72 people, gave them authority, and didn't give anybody else authority, just the 72. But Paul was not in that group. Yet he demonstrates authority over this serpent. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Acts chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Go preach now. I'm going to save you from jail. So you go preach. Why do you ever get saved from anything? So you go preach. If you're not preaching, there's no point in being saved. Yeah. So every time they got arrested, on multiple occasions, they would escape prison. They would escape prison. They would escape prison. Or they would escape stoning. Or they would escape. No, they would still go into it, but they got delivered. Yeah. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through 11. So Peter was kept... The point is, you're not exempt from being arrested, but you may be delivered from being arrested. You see? Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through 11. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And then they were surprised. That's so funny. Okay, so they were praying for Peter, but then they were surprised. Okay, verse uh, chapter 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at... he was bound to two soldiers. He was sleeping right between them. <laughs> Obviously, these other people had been getting out of jail and stuff and they were trying to figure out what the heck happened. So they started like putting the guy bound with two chains. Anyway, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and the light shone, a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. "Quick, get up," he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, Peter followed him out. So get dressed. Hey, get dressed. He wasn't even in a hurry. Hey, get dressed. (laughs) Maybe he wasn't in a hurry. Peter, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. (laughs) And they went through it. When they had walked the length of the one street, suddenly an angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Paul was stoned. Paul was shipwrecked. There's There's even more stuff, okay? Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 30. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prisoners' doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Who, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. John the apostle could not be killed. It said that R- Roman emperor it is said that Roman emperor I'm reading something here. That Roman emperor Domitian commanded that the apostle John be boiled to death in oil. But John only continued to preach from within the pot. <laughs> oh Woo! Jesus is awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. Another time John was forced to drink poison. But as promised in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, it did not hurt him. <laughs> Thus, John, the head of the church in Ephesus at that time, was banished to Patmos, the island of Patmos, in AD 97, where he received a revelation from Jesus about the end times and wrote our book to Revelation. Psalm 91 is a protection psalm. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, that's Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. So my point is this: Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Delivering us from temptation has to do with our heart. Deliver, uh, lead us not into temptation has to guarding our heart, keeping us from going into temptation, and then deliver us from the evil one. Listen, Jesus, it's not so cookie-cutter, cookie canned Christianity here, you know. Where, you know, listen, you're going to go through hard times. But the, blessed is he who perseveres under trial. Yeah, we have to believe the Lord. Listen, if you don't have purpose in your life, you won't have a reason to survive. Amen. So what we got to do is we got to say, I'm gonna, I want to be preaching the gospel when I'm 120. Amen. I don't want to stop, man. You know, my sermons might be five hours long, man. Because <laughs> you keep forgetting what you're saying. <laughs> On, I that thought. No, right. Jesus. <laughs> i'll be unctioned by the holy spirit 100 because i don't really know what i'm saying no more <laughs> my point is this man we got to keep on going you know why what's the purpose you know a lot of people they really want to they want it's almost like they want to just stay in suffering oh no, look dude we should count it joy that we would be considered worthy to be persecuted for our faith that's what the apostles did but they didn't stay beat down listen they were all about victory man they were being persecuted for their faith but they were seeing people get healed Everybody nowadays is just preaching about, oh, you're supposed to suffer for Jesus. None of them are seeing healings. You see what I'm saying? There's something wrong with that picture. Why do we want to embrace the promise of Jesus for persecution, but we don't want to embrace all the promises of Jesus, which promise that we'll have victory over sickness and death? Why do we pick and choose what we want to believe? Why? Because it's easier to believe for evil. And it's easier to believe that I deserve it. We have to remember who we are in Christ. We are not beat down, trodden down. We are the victorious ones. If we get beat down, we get back up. Righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up. Praise the Lord. I hope this built faith. We can preventatively pray against catastrophe against our life. And we can hold on to every good promise in the Old Testament concerning our deliverance and considering our pr- protection you know why because we have work to do why would i choose a life of being in suffering all the time when i know i have a life of victory so when the things come my way i just rebuke it i get all of my life and move forward and believe god for a miracle good stuff jesus is awesome. Praise thank you for tuning in to the bold as a Lion ministry podcast for additional teaching prayer and Information or support, please visit our website at ministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barrage Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God.